0: Perfect. All right. Well, I'm Lance Lambert, and welcome to another episode of Cure to Consumption. I'm here with good friend and fellow industry guru, Joe Hodas. And, Joe,
1: welcome. Thank you.
0: And this is so weird being official because we're always yeah. just talking as friends. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of people that I have on the our show. our official
1: voice now. I know it's the official no. voice.
0: There's no joking around with each other <laughs> as we always do. So, um, man, this is cool. This is really cool, though, because. We do yeah. go back, we were just talking about it last night in front of a few friends. Cause I love, it always seems like uh, lady friends more so than guy friends. Like, well, how long have you guys known each other? When did you meet? <laughs> well, it's
1: because ladies know how to ask questions and listen <laughs> and guys don't. <laughs> they just, guys just blaze right <laughs> over.
0: But it is funny cause it's uh, the one thing that came out of the conference. So it's been several years, uh, as first me cutting my legal teeth in Colorado, but I think that's the same yeah. for you, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So um, the funny part is, and we'll get into that, is that uh, we kind of both acknowledge that it's dog years in this industry, because oh, it does feel like a decade ago to me, and it hasn't been. It's been a little bit over half a decade, but it still feels like so long. But I remember that. We first met when you were working for Dixie, yeah, right? Yeah. And so how did you, that was your initial step in.
1: Yeah, it was my first first kind of gig, and uh, started with Dixie, actually the first week of adult use legalization, so literally that oh first week of January yep, is when I started as CMO. Yeah. Um, but I had we had worked with Dixie. The reason I got into the industry as a whole was I had been working with Dixie as a client for an, with an ad agency I was at oh, okay. um, prior to, to joining Dixie. And we started working with them in like 2010. We did the logo, we did some research. And I just found it fascinating because I didn't yeah. realize, I was a consumer, but I didn't realize like kind of what was going on in terms of the industry. You know, use industry in air quotes, right? Yeah. And uh, and so once I got my eyes open to that, I was like, okay, there's something here so i just kind of kept in touch with uh with trip and chuck the the team yeah. owners of dixie at the time yeah, yeah and um yeah just figured out a way to to get in in 2014 i mean it was a for for me at the time that was kind of a kind of a big step like you know yeah. i think today it's a lot more accepted than it was in 2014 to go from being a partner with a pretty conservative ad agency and jumping over to cannabis right. um, but it was definitely the the best move I've ever made professionally so
0: that's in, in, in no regrets. I'm I feel the same way. But I have to agree with you. It was a bit, um, that was the same for me, was getting called out from an SVP that I worked with the scripts. They um, said, hey, there's this hero path for you in, in Denver. And at first, is originally focusing on being director of ad operations. Uh, but the cannabis came along thanks to Rick, his, his idea. And no one was really taking ownership of it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: sorry, guys. That's because it turned itself off. That's
0: weird. Got it. Go for it. Okay. So yeah, it was you know coming over to Denver, working yeah. for you know DFM, but uh, really no one was taking ownership of the back end of the cannabis. So I started getting involved, and then eventually came out into the GM position when we met. Yep. But I think it's a really good point you make because it was a little taboo. I remember when leaving there, I had friends from the .com and digital media because us kind of similar backgrounds coming from the marketing media space. Yep. And I had friends that literally are like, "Oh, well, it's it's not too late. You can still use this name instead of that name." And go, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? I don't think I'd go work for a company now that holds this against me because this yeah. is the fastest growing industry, to your point, in in this country. Yeah. And for people to use that against me, as opposed to saying, oh, that's great. You put yourself out on the line and and you went where other people hadn't gone before on the legitimate side to represent so this product, this program, for. this company.' Right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So oh, I felt the same way. Yeah. Exactly true. So I have to say, one thing that always stood out to me uh, with you, because you worked the circuit quite a bit as well. I mean, you weren't a CMO that that stayed back at the office. It
1: worked from a desk that was. We had an option to at that point. We had to be everywhere all the time. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and that's one thing I remember, I have to tell you, and and I think at that time, uh, I I believe I was at Weed Maps, and I remember seeing you at shows, and I'm like, man, this guy's a lot like me, because you literally would be just huffing, grabbing boxes, getting stuff up. Like you weren't, again, that typical hands-off, you know, C-suite or, or upper level management that's like, put this here, do that, go there. Like I literally saw you getting your hands dirty. It's your point, all of us had to do it. Um, but I'm sure you still have people to do it as well. But I always thought that was cool. That was okay. like, man, this is a guy that can, can go all the way to ground zero, but also back up to 50,000 foot and work on vision strategy of a company, so.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, Most of the time they're like, no, Joe, don't don't touch that, please. Yeah. You're, you're just gonna break it, so we'll go ahead and handle that, but yeah. at least I tried. Yeah. You know? No, you did <laughs> Definitely tried.
0: So yeah, that's something that, again, really stood out to me. And then uh, I remember, so moving on from there, you moved on from Dixie, a lot of things changed.
1: It, yeah, well, Dixie's like, not the
0: company it was. I know.
1: For sure, uh, and I spent, you know, four years there. Um, but what's really, to the point of dog years, what's really interesting about this industry is that because it is so nascent, it's the, the cycles are shorter, they're faster, I mean, you know, you and I have lived through, yep. I don't even know how many cycles of this industry, right? We're in one right now. Like we're seeing <laughs> what's going on in California. We're exactly. seeing what's going on in, you know, price compression in other markets and new players coming in. And, and so, you know, for Dixie, four years there was, was actually a really long time, right? Yeah, so it was. we went through state expansions, we went through regulation in different markets, um, we began to see the up ramp towards legalizations. I think when I left, there was probably five or six adult use markets Yeah. when I left and- um, We're triple, and, quadruple that. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and how much has changed? In three, four years. So. Yeah. Um, so you know, Dixie kind of um, was where I cut my teeth on the industry, and, and the best part about it was that I made so many great relationships, yeah. like you, right, yeah. and others, Definitely. and um, and so I've been able to take those then and you know continue to to build on that um, at the other companies I went to. So um, so I started um, consulting for a little bit because I thought, okay, yeah. but what I found in Colorado it, to the point of cycles in the nascent industry is that Colorado was at a point because we still didn't allow publicly traded companies to invest in. Colorado companies and there was yeah. a lot of regulation around that, right? Some of the Washington
0: State, I remember is a lot yeah. like that too. Yeah, so there was a
1: lot of activity taking place in all these other markets in terms of big dollars coming in and all that good stuff. But Colorado was this pretty insular little market. And so I talked to a few companies that were in other states and you know, I talked to my family about one that got kind of serious and they're like, oh, wow. we're not moving, so if you want to go ahead. But we're staying <laughs> Sounds a little familiar. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're staying here. Uh, so anyway, I, I thought you know maybe what I'll do is I'll see if um, people kind of want a fractional CMO, right? So I'll, yeah. I'll do a couple of clients and do a fractional thing. And I started doing that and I was loving it. I was teaching at the University of Denver and I was doing some fractional oh, wow. CMO work. And it was great. and then. Um, I decided uh, I got an offer with General Cannabis, which was a publicly traded um, company that had a couple of companies underneath it, to come over as their COO. So that kind of got me back into the, yeah. the full-time uh, gig, and um, you know, great great time there, learning about yeah. uh, publicly traded companies. I know Michael loves it. Our mutual side. friend
0: Michael Feinsod used yep. to be there, and,
1: and definitely is a fan of yours. Michael so. brought me over, and you know, loved loved working with him. And yeah. um, you know, I think much like many of the companies in the space, there's there were challenges in terms of funding and all that good stuff. So yep. then I jumped back right into another frying pan with- uh,
0: You and I both, we, you know, it was, was a little yeah. for both and we talked about doing stuff together and that mm-hmm. same thing, it's like, you're right, the industry it's in this exponential growth mode and it's, I remind people, some people use the term revolution, it's an evolution. We're evolving into places we haven't been. We're not coming full circle to where we were. And so to your point, uh, you know, sometimes missteps are made. I'm mean, just hanging out with friends last night and one was like, yeah, when you went over to Greenflower, you know, we kind of weren't sure, but you know, our other friends said, you're really excited about it and they were trying to make a change. And, it's not, and like, I didn't know what I didn't know coming into it. A similar situation to yeah. what you're talking about. You know, it's like you, you come along, you think you're, you know, Attaching yourself to the, the right opportunity, and sometimes it's already gone a different direction, you know. So. so, I
1: I often tell people that are looking to get into the space that you know you, you have got to be flexible, you've got to be able to yeah. roll with the punches. If you're high anxiety or you can't deal with change, and it's just not the space for
0: you. No, only thing constant is change
1: in yeah. that space, to your point. So, yeah, so it's know, awesome. I, I tell people that all the time because there's nothing, you yeah. know, even you and I who ostensibly should be pretty uh, smart about the industry and, and know yep. what's going on, you know, well, we don't know everything. No. And you, it's you get into something and you're <laughs> like, oh, that's not what I thought it was gonna be. Exactly,
0: exactly <laughs> true. Which brings us to where we are today because you and I both, again, we're kind of in a, in a similar space, yep. uh, at least, um, you know, early pandemic, I guess I'd say. And uh, both landed in places, I think, I mean, I feel like you've been happier than ever, and you represent a Me solid too. brand. Same here. I, I really feel like you know I found a brand that matches my culture and core values. Which is to, we get to a point in our careers, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that you know we're priceless, but it's interesting how you get to a point in your career where you're courting as much as they are, and you're uh, considering as much as they are. You know, it's kind of the interview goes both ways at that point when a company approaches you, right? Yeah. It, but uh, you landed at Iwana, which Noah and Nancy, for years, going back to the Colorado market, um, I know, gosh, you got, so just 11 year anniversary.
1: 11 years. celebrating, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. And so it started out in medical, segued into adult use, 2014. Right. right. So you've been on quite a ride. Now, how long, it's been, it's been over, it's been more? It's been year. About a year and a half. I yeah. started the yeah. first
1: week of quarantining in Colorado. It's <laughs> um, a Yeah, so it was a weird time to start for sure, but Man, to the point of feeling like home. I mean, yeah, uh, I, you know, I always I tell people when they're starting new jobs in the industry, outside of the industry, like yeah. After three months, you probably start to see some red flags. After six months, then you know what are really you know problems and whether you can handle them or not, and that's where you begin to make your decisions about is this a long-term thing for me? Yep. I I haven't come across any red flags. It's been a year and a half. Nice. And, and I'm just so honored and thrilled to be there and be part of it. And Nancy is. Such an amazing leader in the real she's deal. She's phenomenal. By the way, I don't even know if she'll listen to this, so <laughs> my son gonna no. piss an ass. And,
0: and I can say too, she's always been, I, I, I love having as uh, women in industry in general, but it's so cool because she makes up for part of that 30, 36% of leaders in this space, which we're second only. Uh, as far as CEOs and leaders in cannabis, we're second only to the real estate industry. And she's one of those women that I've been following for years. She's so level-headed, she's so even keel. She's very smart, very business savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, She's strategic in how she speaks and what she discusses, which I always find quite interesting because you have a lot of CEOs, again, not to point out the obvious, sometimes more men that are always puffing up their chest. So I've got the best product, I've got this, I got that. She's just like even keel and where that company has come versus where it was and her even being open, um, remember we heard her speak at a function, uh, that could, maybe it's been a few years now. It's a blur with the whole pandemic. But I remember you <laughs> you, you and I both think we're in the audience and she is talking about uh, the trials and tribulations of formulas and things that she found uh, don't have sustainability for getting transported all the way to the other side of the Rocky Mountains. Or I mean like she was very much involved with so many aspects of the business and being very smart in identifying things that worked and things that didn't yeah but that kind of brings me to one thing that always gets me excited and and not at all I'm I'm never a plugger but I I stuff that I love I love sharing but you guys in this rapid onset technology yeah. in your edibles is insane. it it was almost like an industry disruptor right i mean
1: we kind of view it that way, yeah. I, I, mean, I see you know, it as we that way, you know, outside. We, we weren't the, the, the first to come to market, or, or at least claim fast acting. But one of the things I love about WAN is is we're not necessarily about being the first, we're about being the best. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, that sounds kind of like cliche and glib, but it's true. I mean, we spent two years researching dozens of fast acting technologies and really getting into the nitty gritty of like, why does it work, how does it work? And, and so the end result and why it's a disruptive product is actually our... Um, our uh, uh, technology, which is a Zuka that we use, yeah. um, it actually encapsulates the the, um, the molecule and maintains the delta nine structure. So you don't actually, you know, with most edibles, it becomes 11 hydroxy. That's yeah. what kind of gives that edible feeling. Exactly. Um, our products stay delta nine the way they're absorbed into your body. So it's completely different for an edible, completely different high. It you know hits within five to fifteen minutes usually, and it has an off ramp too, which I love. Like right? yeah. so two to four hours. Done so it's great for social events, happy hours, and as a result, those those skews immediately became top ten SKUs in Colorado, and now we've uh, launched them in California and Oregon and uh, a few other markets. So
0: yeah, and that's you touched on something, and we won't geek out too much, but the eleven hydroxy, a lot of people are not even aware of that, and it's interesting they know without knowing, right? I have a lot of friends that, um, oh, I, I I tried weed one time, or you know, I tried marijuana and had a bad experience, and this yeah. and that. I would say four out of five times it comes back to, oh, it was inedible. Yeah. Someone made a brownie, someone made a, and we know at that point it's probably a can of butter or, or an oil base, uh, but to your point, a lot of people don't realize that the way that the body absorbs versus uh, all other means, quite honestly, but obviously versus inhaling being the, the most popular form, yeah. um, it's crazy how people just don't understand. It's converting to a different molecule within your body. There. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of science there, and so the high is a very different high, and. Even sitting next to a, a scientist from Canada at a speaking in San Francisco years ago, he's talking about the uptake and you know, your absorption's thirty to forty percent when you smoke. It's four to six percent when you induce, mm. when you actually eat. And so that kinda opened my eyes. But to your point, that's a great way. I mean that is two floors on that elevator, that is the, the shortest, quickest way I've heard someone explain um, how it interacts with the body differently than your typical, let's make some brownies. Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah vastly different right and and the yeah. consumer will get there right to understand that there's a difference between that that brownie and and a highly engineered you know perf- perfection oriented gummy yeah. um and something that you know that we're, we're working on too is trying to educate the consumer to understand even within gummies there's there's so many gummies in the market right because gummies oh so rapidly became yeah. the primary edible format i think last date i saw gummies are 80 percent of the edibles market so a lot of players look at that and say well, we're going to get into gummies right but making a gummy a gummy is not a gummy is not a gummy right there's a Very lot of true. different ways to do that and just just like people understand i can get a gas station coffee or i can get a coffee from you know the little boutique shop down the street for me so too with with gummies i think people will begin to understand Definitely. like this is a low-end gummy this is a mid-tier this is a premium gummy
0: so both being marketing guys and that being our core focus uh in our careers at least in the last several years um, I have to segue to some of the campaign, because again, I, I watch brands I'm a fan of, and brands that I do endorse based on the things that you mentioned, the quality, the consistency, the attention to the experiential for the end user, for the consumer. Yeah. You guys, and my, specifically Mike Hennessy, you have to bring him up, because yeah. he is such a great guy. He's so cool, he's so smart. I think he's still going to school, or he's doing some sort of program in the Southeast he now, right? He finished his Master's, yeah. Yeah, right? Finished, so the, the last time I was talking to him, I think he was right on the tail end of his Master's. Yeah. But he is such a cool guy because he's one of those few that's left brain, right brain, as I say. Like he, he can be all geek, but he can also translate it to layman's. Yep. But I have to point out, um, and I think actually Marco on our team had seen us before uh, and we were discussing it, but the kind of, Commercial that you guys did of sorts, the educational yeah. uh, series with Mike, and how he pops up from behind. <laughs> he's like a combination of Bill and I, the science guy, and I'm dating ourselves, but Mr. Wizard. But he, br- he brings this like fun, geeky to it. But yeah. he's explained to it, and he brought up things that, you know, as marketers, we call FABs, right? Those features, advantages, benefits. And it's not just a feature and a benefit. What are the advantages to that feature that's really a benefit to you? Yeah. He was explaining that. I did not even think about the fact, I know this happens but I didn't think about the fact that, yeah, you leave gummies in your car, you know, like we're getting right ahead there, the airport, I'm gonna throw my bags in the trunk of your car. If I have a typical gummy, it's probably gonna melt and infuse at 100 degrees in the trunk of a car, if if so the case. yeah. And he's explaining the boil point and how the gummies remain consistent and whole, so you aren't getting a gob of who knows what, 20 milligrams of THC versus a five milligram dose. Yeah. I thought that was super cool because again, Neither of us claim to know everything. We we're individuals. that are very Do you? Yeah. <laughs> only only yeah. off the records People now. You just rooted but, you know. <laughs> but I think the the statement you made earlier that you know the industry is constantly evolving, that's a good instance where I did not even think about that. Yeah. I did not think about you as a manufacturer of of top shelf quality you know cannabis products, especially those in the gummy iteration. Focus on things like hey, this would be cool if it didn't melt in your backpack when you're climbing. You know one of the seven sisters or if you're it's, climbing up you it know, is
1: surprising how many people don't think about it but when you point it out they're like well yeah i had a gummy that you know they those yeah. melt in my pocket or whatever everyone seems to have an experience but it didn't occur to anyone to be like oh that's a it's a great point that we should really kind of focus on so we did that whole education campaign and mike you know he's so tremendous for yeah. us as an asset um, i always like to say well, with with mike like i always feel a little bit smarter and a little bit dumber after talking to him. <laughs> you know, I, I, I definitely get part of it, but sometimes he's just like on a different yeah, level, different trajectory, <laughs> right? And
0: that's that's what's cool. I mean, he, again, awesome no melting
1: was great, and you know, because in the summertime, like against chocolates, other gummies, yeah, you know, there's there's so many yeah. different. Um, form factors that will melt and so yep. we have this product that, that doesn't melt. I mean, it melts at like 170 degrees.
0: Well, that's what he's pointing out. But obviously, if, you, <laughs> if you're if you in a situation where it be a degrees. car or your backpack, you probably shouldn't be in that environment. The last thing <laughs> right. you're thinking about is getting high. So you can point right. that out. So you
1: worry about saving your life at that
0: point. Yeah, exactly true. So, well, that's awesome. Again, I yeah, that's the things where um, individuals that aren't just, to your point, producing it, pumping it out, just a gummy's a gummy, you know, get it at your, your local you know, shop and so yeah. on and so forth. The fact that you guys put in that effort and leading with education, I think that's one thing both of us figured out, right? Yeah. In, in our efforts, is like actually leading with education on what you're offering is.
1: Well, and, and not to plug further, but you know, we just launched our fast asleep product, which I saw similar to the quick product. We're not the first sleep product, but what we did is that we we did a lot of the the secondhand research and looking at all the data. And what became apparent is that lower doses of, of THC do really help with sleep. Mm-hmm. Higher doses actually disrupt your sleep. Yep. So right. all these gummies that are coming out with, you know, five, 10 plus milligrams of THC in their formulation, the intent is to knock you out. We call it like a sledgehammer, right? Yeah. Um, and we went with the scalpel approach. So it's, you know, the, it's the milligrams of THC, but it's also CBN, CBG, CBD, melatonin, all these things nice. in the right combination. I, I love this product. I mean it, it's amazing I stay asleep the whole night which is not normal for me
0: and not for most I mean that's one thing just on a side you know we come from the media company I think it was at the cannabis store or weed maps and we did a study and uh, found that 67% of consumers period not uh, because we do delineate between adult use and medical Mm -hmm. and as do many markets 67% consume cannabis to help with sleep yeah Across the board. So even sure. those that are, to your point, they're going to a party or a social event, like myself last night, you know, people drinking, they gave me a drink ticket, I gave it to the next guy in line. Like, I don't I don't have time for alcohol. But for what I consume, you know, same thing. Like, I want to be on that same level playing field as those that I'm with, as far as, oh, this will be a nice little buzz for a few hours, for yeah. two to four hours or something. So knowing what you're taking in and in what form, you know, obviously is a huge
1: factor. So
0: but that's cool to hear because again that's more and more people are looking for solutions like
1: that. We did our studies, we formulated, we reformulated, we formulated a third or fourth time and then you know, eventually we find the the right mix and yeah. You know, that's 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 why we invest in R and D is to to find a product that really is effective for people And, and that strategy's been working so far. Definitely. So definitely that's cool. Well another thing. Pause one sec. Sorry,
0: hold it. And we're back. Thank you. Yeah. So the next thing I want to get into is, um, Want to start out in Colorado, Boulder, I think, yeah. specifically, right? In Boulder, yeah. North Met Boulder. some of your team when we were hanging out in this kind of full circle into this story. Uh, so we did a collaborative effort out on the East Coast, which is a whole different space. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I didn't spend a lot of time, admittedly. I remember traveling for both uh, Weed Maps and for Bovida. And I remember I'd, I'd raised my hand for the trip to Berlin or Barcelona before New York or, <laughs> or Massachusetts. I just had never been big into the East Coast. <clears throat> but going out there, and uh, getting to interact with one of your partners out there. So I think talking about MSOs or multi-state operators, mm-hmm. uh, for those that aren't in the industry, Juana's done a phenomenal job over those past 11 years here of actually segueing into other markets, but I'm noticing a trend that you're partnering with people that are are good people, like not just the, the company or um, or their investment or ca- capital, if you will, or their exposure or reach, but the individuals that are at the company are guys like you and I, that actually care about the industry, they care about the plant, they care about the consumer and about properly representing you know, the best offerings they can out there. How do you guys, how do, you do in how many states? I guess just tell me about the whole MSO and, yeah. and how you've gotten to where you are as, as a brand.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey. And I've been, uh, luckily, you know, so we're now in 12 states as of today, we'll be in a couple more by the end of the year. Uh, nine provinces and territories in Canada. Wow. Um Canada's unbelievable. We have forty percent market share of edibles in Canada, so it's you know killing yeah. it up there. And in you're covering three
0: quarters of the provinces right now with yeah. nine. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's
1: pretty you know it's pretty extensive in Canada. Um, but, you know, Canada's a, a good example. They're they're a company in Diva that we work with up there who are incredibly smart, respectful, great business people, understand the product, understand our brand, mm. um, great partnership. But what's interesting is that you know th- that all formulated during the pandemic so we didn't even have an opportunity to, to try and meet with them in person like face to face which is something that we really like to do um, likewise our training was all remote um, when we got them launched and they've been crazy. doing an amazing job but the point is is that there is a dna and we've talked about it a lot internally like how do we can we define that dna can we say like okay when we go looking for partners this is what we're looking for this is a red flag and this is an absolutely we're not going to work with these people kind of a thing and we, <laughs> we have yet to actually be able to like break it down mm-hmm. that way because yeah. there's just uh, an innate feeling that you get. Like you see their facility when you can travel and you yep. can see it. You see yep. their facility, you understand how they operate, you look at the management team, you see the interpersonal interactions. Those are the ways that we gauge partners. And, and by the way, as much as I appreciate the compliment on our expansion, we've had a couple of misfires yeah. uh, and you know, some lessons learned along the way.
0: Wouldn't expect you guys to bat
1: a thousand, but as long <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as we're close, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Um yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely a delicate dance, and um, also you know things change over time too. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is that, and this might sound superfluous. Well, it doesn't sound superfluous, but you know, funding is an important thing. Because what I've noticed is that when companies run out of funding, is when they do dumb shit. Yes. To put yep. it simply. Been there, and, seen that. <laughs> you know, so you, you have to find companies to well capitalize and understand yeah. how to run a, a good, strong business as a foundation. And from there, it's you know the, the people and the personality and the processes and the understanding of the brand, the respect for and appreciation for the brand, that kind of thing. So gotcha. Um, but it's 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 never easy. Um, we do spend a lot of time evaluating our partners. Nice. So,
0: and then how is that? I mean, for you to manage a brand, and this is kind of getting back again to our cores, you know. Managing a brand that transcends borders. And, you know, as we speak now, federal legalization is not here. I don't Mm -hmm. think it'll be here for a few years, or at least descheduling, deregulation, maybe sooner. So, is it not a bit of a hassle for you to have to, or do you have a big binder somewhere that, like, Here's all the rules and regs for advertising in Colorado versus Washington versus Oregon versus D.C. versus.
1: Did, I mean, did you just call it a bit of a hassle? <laughs> Is that how you just described it? <laughs> yeah, they well. Mild, mild understatement. Yeah, and we
0: could say that, especially if you remember, man, I know you do, because it's right when you're getting into it. In Colorado, I remember it was the 11th hour that they actually added in stipulations around advertising and they they took a chapter from the book of alcohol if you will yeah and i thought it was so trivial they didn't think it through and i mean granted colorado amended i think 85 times is what we tracked within the first year so none of them are perfect coming out of the gate yeah but my gosh that must be in itself because i know some markets um, you have to well vegas has gotten lax but i know it's almost like a co-op program if you will where you have to get pre-approval from the state prior to doing any sort of promotion others can't advertise within you know, 100 yards of a school, or of a church, or of this, or of that. A lot of the, uh, what we call the NIMBY rules, right. the Not In My Backyard rules come into play. How do you, as a national brand that's supporting all of these satellite uh, partners,
1: if you will, how are you able to keep it's track of it all? It's not easy. I mean, and, and, and there's so many different aspects to what you just said, right? There's the regulation side, there's the, the, the partner side. There's the you know what does the market need? Just the, the basic marketing stuff like yeah. okay, uh, what who's our competitors in the market? What positioning do we need to have in the market? All that kind of stuff, right? And that varies as well by market. Um, so you know we have we have uh, an internal resource who's our compliance guy, right? And um, he's working on the, the labels. We also have the thing that that Juan did that was really smart that I didn't do at other companies. We have a full team dedicated to our expansion. Oh, um, dedicated yes. to our expansion, right? They, yeah. they don't work on anything Colorado and, and product. They work on onboarding partners, giving them the SOPs, making sure that everything we're doing is, is to spec into the regulations. Um, so that team is, is an important part. But likewise on the marketing side, I have a team that's dedicated just to our, our partners wow. in, in other states. So um, it is, I guess a luxury to have that headcount to do that, but that's yeah. really such an important part of it because to your point, you know with 12 markets plus you know, nine in Canada, it would be impossible to, to you know have a small team keeping up with all of that
0: yeah and definitely
1: so we have a lot of focus there and um we just you know the the, the past year I, I kept kind of banging this gong of like becoming a national brand and really focusing as a national brand as opposed to previously we it was colorado and then it was what we called out of state right so anything yeah. that wasn't colorado was out of state i so said we have to start looking at this as want is a national brand so this year we actually began like our 420 campaign our summer quick campaigns we began rolling those out into other markets which we had never really done before so it was kind of a, a shift on the marketing side yeah um, that you know has some kinks to work out but we're, we're getting there to where we're having like these are the assets we're going to roll them out in all of our markets you know but some SKUs aren't available in other markets so maybe we don't roll it out in those markets so we you know there's some adjustments we have to make but that's even we're your team there. brought
0: that up when we, when we were uh, together in Boston they brought up that what was and was not a, it, and it was interesting because they they knew their stuff. That's what I was impressed yeah. with. Was uh, they said, you know, well, because of what the rules and regulations are here, you'd be surprised. Plus, they since they allow higher uh, content, uh, you know, as far as THC, you know, there's a product that's only available here and not available in our other markets. I'm like, wow, to keep track of that. I mean, we have a little bit of that because of CE and UL and other things where we can and can't sell certain equipment and have to get certified to sell equipment in certain places. But my gosh, I was impressed with how the team is just like, they, they knew that market. They knew Massachusetts market and they're like, this is what's available here because this is how this market well, is. Well, you
1: were hanging out with Kaylin, who is our uh, out-of-state marketing manager. So yep. She's the one who manages all these expansion markets. And then Erica who's on our uh, our uh, creative team who is involved with a lot of the labels and all, all of the assets uh, and everything. Work yeah. Sets, so yeah, they, they know they're, uh of shit inside now. Yeah. So. They definitely do. And they and they enjoyed they, they enjoy their jobs. They love everybody. But that's
0: one thing that I like having been in management for years, when you always hear see but hear happy employees. That's yeah. one thing that definitely was was impressive with them. So well speaking more on a general plane, um, you know, we're up here in Northern California right now. We've got Hall of Flowers going on right, right next door. This is one of the more modern, more contemporary shows. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen that have changed as far as because we've talked to this was off camera uh but just how many evolutions we've seen in the years that we've been in the legal market right just it's it's been crazy and like you said now um a little bit depressing we did this norcal tour going all the way up into soham uh southern humble you know the redway garberville area catching up with local growers uh everything from cottage up to scale and um, sound like outdoor pounds are coming in at $500 here in California, which is totally insane because I remind people my last trip to England. You know, there are guys over there, if you could just get a pound of flour from Northern California to the countryside of England, it's worth 5,000 British sterling, and that's wholesale. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like yeah. it's crazy how much of a brand has been established via these Appalachians of, of Humboldt, specifically Humboldt and Mendocino. Um, So we're we're seeing these, like you said, highs and lows, ebbs Mm -hmm. and flows. Uh, This latest space that we're in right now, where do you see us going and where do you see this impacting the plausibility of federal legalization and maybe even more normalization
1: around the industry? Well, I I mean, I think, so so two separate issues, right? The economics of uh, supply and demand and and what that looks like in a specific market, like a state market like California and how that's affecting the black market, kind of one category of of issues and challenges because that causes downstream price compression and a different competitive set and allows um, uh, maybe not as uh, good of actors to come in because the price points are so low and all of those things are kind of their own set of issues separately. And I don't think, I don't think is it is impacted by this issue that we just talked about? Is, is federal legalization? I think federal legalization has it's on its own trajectory, completely separate. And that yeah. is politicians and other bills and how do you know how does it affect uh, the overall uh, economic outlook for the country? And you know all of those considerations I think are what are driving the federal legalization discussion. I don't know that they're looking at the state level and saying hmm. California seems to be, you know, oversupplied, and the black market's still big there. But if we legalize federally, then they can export that legally, and blah that's blah. That's where blah. my
0: connection was between the two sides, because that's I don't. To your point, I don't think the politics, they are completely aloof, and even the lobbyists, the the good ones, even the lobbyists, that are trying to prove, you know, kind of push forward and, and show proof of validity around legalization at a federal level, or at least at minimum descheduling, right? right. Um, that is one thing that I think you're right. I think literally that.
1: Yeah, DC's
0: over here, and, and the markets over here. In right now, I'm not seeing the paths cross as far as that. Inter- I mean, maybe Earl Blumenauer. There's a few individuals over there I met. They're phenomenal pro cannabis. And Pro Mutter in Colorado is great. he's a big supporter. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: there are a few of them. But you know, you see them on a regular basis bringing bills yeah. forward, and they get you know. <laughs> yep. <they laughs> grind thrown it to the to the you know to the side not to get all deep in, in philosophical and philosophical on politics for a second, but this is it's the issue with our politi- political system as a whole, is yep. that there is a disconnect true. between what's happening on the ground and what people really need and what politicians are doing in, in, in DC. Yeah. It doesn't matter what party- No, it's irrelevant. It's,
0: That's why I say it's it's, politi- it's an ambiguous it's perspective on politics. Cannabis right. is no different. Yeah. When 75% of the populace approximately, and I'm, I'm sure quite honestly it's higher now, um, in, in one of the latest polls last year, when 75% of the populace is pro-cannabis, Albeit either medical only, medical and adult use, or adult use only. That's still saying three out of four people are like,
1: legalize it. Legalize it. So what do you think? we get taxes <laughs> it,
0: and that goes back to. I mean, and, and you've been tracking this too. Some of the great things that have come out of Colorado. I mean, a lot of people don't understand the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been collected in taxes alone just, just since adult use legalization in the last seven years. That have I know kids in pueblo got several thousand dollars in scholarship no matter their gpa or or religion gender ethnic background irrelevant everyone that applied you know was able to get this but then also some of the section 8 housing and and even yeah. just infrastructure mm-hmm. I, I know the money is going to good places versus let's just say a large cartel south of the border right. <laughs> that money used to be going to right? right so i agree it's interesting how what's happening as far as proof of concept at a state level is not fully being recognized at the federal level. So I agree with you, I don't see the true I see parallels, but I don't see the paths crossing like they should. Yeah. You know. Like so. they
1: should, I mean that's the word, right, should. Yeah. They should, but they don't. Yeah, definitely,
0: so. Well cool, well then with that, and you brought up another thing that really kind of segues into the next. You and I have traveled uh, internationally, we've done shows both domestically and internationally, side yeah. by side as friends. And uh, I I think you're spot on. You know, Once federal comes and and the plausibility for exportation, be it interstate, interstate, uh, or international, um, where do you see the plausibility? Because I haven't asked this of an edible company, I've asked others, but um, do you see that potential beyond North America? Because like you said, you've gone into Canada. Mexico has -hmm. just, uh, which I love what they did, they deemed unconstitutional, and then now they're building the framework for legalization. is the sky the limit is are there no borders eventually
1: for a brand do you i think? have to think so i yeah. mean you know i think there is i think it's going to be a while it's not it's not like you know if legalization occurred next week that we'd be exporting to uh, china in a month yeah <laughs> but, yeah um so it's going to take a while but i think yeah i think the sky's the limit because let's face it cannabis is popular everywhere whether or not it's legal it's Very still true. consumed and it's popular everywhere so once some of those dominoes begin to fall everyone's gonna be like well yeah, we're going to legalize too, right? And and yeah. so you'll begin to it'll begin to be treated just like any other import export product. I uh-huh. mean, um, you know, I think there's there's some challenges that we'll face, just like alcohol does, right? You can't just willy nilly ship direct ship products everywhere, but you know, um, I think we'll be in the same boat.
0: Yeah. Definitely, recognizing some of those Appalachians too, hopefully for, for those, because yeah. you're right, I mean, that's going over, and I, I still find it interesting. You know Many markets are preparing themselves whether they're open about it or not, but they're such anomalies in certain spaces. I've been down to Australia, and I know um, ACT, the Australian uh, Capital Territory, uh, not that it's a large populous, so about 400,000 people in that state, but they legalized adult use, like they just, not the rest of the country. The rest of the country is met. It's so weird how we're not alone as far as being in this uh, in-between mm-hmm. space, right? And you see it in South America, you see it in Europe, see it in, in obviously APAC and in here. But I agree with you. Who knows what it could be? But it's cool to hear that you think that there is the potential. in. I'm, I'm guessing you guys are kind of doing a little bit of that proof of concept in Canada, right? Because Canada is a totally different, I know the the manufacturers supply the government and the government does the fulfillment, kind of like alcohol right. in the state of Washington, yeah. right? So that's a totally different dynamic that you are learning about chain of custody and, and
1: obviously logistics, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and and then you know too with with international and legalization here in the U.S., th- does that does that change? I mean, we've we've been an asset light company, so I don't we don't have a footprint of, of manufacturing facilities all the country. We use partners yeah. for that, right? Yep. Um, so if you can begin to export from you know single locations into other countries, it changes the economics. It changes the. The manufacturing process. I mean, there's there's so many yeah. question marks you know that I think uh, are yet to be answered. So hundred yeah. percent, very cool.
0: So anything else as far as uh, updates? Uh, do you see anything that really caught your eye at the show? Any other? Because I know you're a marketer, so you're yeah. like me. You're always critiquing other brands. And anything uh, that really stood out?
1: I see some, I see some great brands doing some you know some some really nice work on the on the true brand side of things. What I guess I, I guess what I don't see. And I don't know that it's um, I don't know that it's it's possible yet at this point in the industry, but I don't I don't see a lot of like true innovation. Like I see really great branding and and good products. Yeah. But you know all the flower products are on a scale of branding from sort of bespoke to more heady stonery and you know yeah all all points in between and everyone has a product that they claim is you know a fields field based or you know experience based product. Yeah. I'm sure it was brilliant, whatever it was. I'm sure it was too, <laughs> until you saw the alarm.
0: <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of brilliance. <laughs> <Lawrence. laughs> like, with the heel of your shoe. <laughs> Seriously. Speaking
1: of it's like, brilliance. It's a Mr. Bean move
0: right there. You watch the candle and oh. then you kick the thing and it might have, there you go,
1: fire. <clears throat> Well, that lesson I actually did learn because um, when my wife and I first lived together in our first apartment, we had this kind of a blind in our kitchen and, and we'd put up, um, we're Jewish, and we had, the I think it was Hanukkah candles, menorah, and yeah. we, and I put it up on the windowsill. So my wife's like, Do you think we should leave those? Like, this seems like we shouldn't. I'm like, Yeah, it'll be fine. And I uh, came back to the house like, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, and it had caught the. the uh, no way. Yeah, luckily we got the there like her. right in time, and we lost this, but you know, no fire. So, <laughs> yeah. I think about
0: that with my, uh, my mother in law because she lights a candle in remembrance, also Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of tradition. So she'll light the candle in remembrance every year and um, she puts it in the windowsill, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't forget about it. It's <laughs> kind of getting that age, lover, yeah. but, you know, so. Well, cool, man. You know, I think kind of continuing on the theme of marketing, you know, we come across a lot of individuals, uh, as Marco was just talking to us about, you know, that they come along, you've seen the look on their face before, because I know they approached you as much as me at trade shows and such, where they come yeah. up and you can tell um, they're very passionate about the plant. They feel like they know the plant intimately. Um, I kind of made a little bit of a joke of this in all places in Canada. I was a moderator on a panel for strategic partnerships at uh, Lyft in Vancouver. And I was kind of towards the end of the day, it was around the 420 hours, so I could tell the audience was kind of lively anyway. And someone said, well, you know, what can you tell us about vetting uh, potential partners? And, um, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, like." advisors or you know consultants and individual next to me said you know you definitely want to vet them and such and i said yeah you know do your homework look them up on linkedin because just because they say they're a guru and they know everything about cannabis I've seen people that say that, and they were a Pilates instructor last year, and I'm not knocking it, but that's like me saying I've been going to the bathroom since I'm a kid. That makes me a urologist. Nope, don't know everything about how that works. Just because I've been doing it, <laughs> the whole audience laughed, but I think it's a valid point, right? A lot of people are like, "Oh, I know everything about cannabis. I've been growing since I was twelve, or I've been smoking since I was fifteen, or whatever." I'm not condoning that. I'm just that is a, a common statement right. people make. Right. What advice would you give to these individuals? Uh, because I think a lot of them overlook what you and I spend a better. Part of our career doing, which is building brands and building audiences, and you know, they don't factor in that component.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. By the way, just just so you don't feel alone, I, I always look like when someone you know sends me LinkedIn invite, I always look to see how many years they've been in the industry, yeah. what they've been doing previously. Um, because I think it's telling as to uh, as to their positioning, but um, you know I think I think what people forget is there's like a lot of hard work and building blocks that go into building brands. Like you come to an event like this, you see awesome booths and great packaging, great branding, and. And that's cool right that's the yeah. fun part but like there's a whole lot of not fun part that goes into to yeah. getting to that point right <laughs> very true and so i think being cognizant of that it's great to have excitement and to and to want to build brands and be part of an industry that's growing like we are but um anyone who gets into this thinking like it's all just fun and you know everyone i've, I've had you know friends outside the industry be like how hard can it be to market cannabis i mean everyone you know likes weed right yeah. So it's really hard, super competitive, and super. so being smart about the industry and understanding where to find your niche and how to differentiate against all the other products that are in the market, you know, we were talking about this earlier, I mean, there's a ton of companies here. I don't, oh, that's what we were talking about, actually. I don't, I, you asked kind of like the, you know, what I feel about, what I see in the show. And oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I didn't see, I saw great branding in products and packaging and all that good stuff. Not a lot of innovation. Not a lot of innovation, right? Not a lot of like, I could really tell like this is a company that has something special and different. I mean, you know, a few of them that claim it, you know, I don't I don't know for a fact because yeah. I didn't try the products. But anyway, my point is, is that all of that has to go into the brand. The brand isn't just the fun stuff at a, at a, at a trade show. And yeah. so studying that, understanding the position in the market, understanding um, how those brands got to where they are, I think is the best advice you can give someone who's kind of trying to get into it yeah and you make a very valid point
0: you know those um we talk about in, in marketing these are all typical terms but the fabs and in the usps right the features advantages benefits and unique selling proposition and to your point you know I, i'm walking the floor and i'm i'm a little desensitized i think both of us are because yeah. <laughs> after doing so many sh- so many shows and seeing so many brands come and go and yeah, I hate to say that, but it's true. A lot of people just, the, the burn is real, especially when the, the money was funny up until 2018, there's a lot of money getting injected and people just investing in whatever. But having said that, you know, out of all, I remember just in one hall, I was in Hall B, and um, out of all the brands, and a lot of them were established and, and I did recognize several of the brands, but there's one that did stand out exactly your point because they were doing aquaponics mm. out of Bakersfield. And I'm like, first off, not a lot of people doing aquaponics, you know, in, in this market. A lot of people are, it, it's outdoor, indoor light depth, like you hear it all the time. And so, or uh, greenhouse. And so that was kind of unique. And then also, I haven't met anyone that's produced in Bakersfield. Like I a lot of it's not. in the Central Valley or yeah. Santa Barbara County, obviously the Triangle or, or out in the desert. And uh, I'm like, God, you guys are doing a couple things different than what the other guys. But that was one out of, 60 brands in, in that building. That to your point really stood out to me. I was like, wow, they're doing something different in the fact they're saying, hey, we're only taking the A's, the Topps, Colas that we're offering in this line. Everything else we sell off. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. another thing that just isn't, you know. But they're trying to stand out of the pack. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. That's what you need to do. You need yeah. more than just passion at this
1: point oh, yeah. in this industry to be Much successful. More, yeah. Five,
0: ten years ago, yeah. okay, fine.
1: That's you know, passion, cool, grit can get you there, but now, no, yeah. no just a lot more needed now. So yeah, definitely.
0: Well, what's in the future uh, for anything new? Anything on the horizon? It's yeah, man. So we just launched.
1: Spot? I mentioned um, the uh, uh, sleep product. So that's I'm going to track that down. <laughs> Try yeah, that that one. Is, it's a great product. It's the first in our line of a um, uh, whole new platform we're launching called Optimals. So. Oh, cool these are going to be much more health and wellness use case specific our next one's coming up in a couple of weeks i'm really excited about that one i can't quite share it yet All good. i, I want to wait till we launch it but i'll set a um, reminder on my phone and yeah, call you <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll let you know it's a unique okay. product nothing else like on the market so um, i think more of that like i'm excited about differentiated yeah. products it's nice not sure. it's not just you know another flavor or another market these are completely different products and i'm really excited about that very cool, man.
0: Well, awesome. We'll do, it's always good catching up. We, we I feel like we never catch up often enough, but we're both super busy. Likewise. But it's cool to see you here in person getting to catch up. And thanks for coming on the show. Always love having friends. Appreciate on. you having me. Yeah, definitely. We'll be in touch. Yeah. <laughs> good. Thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening in on another episode of Cure to Consumption. And we'll catch up with you next time. It's all about good vibes. Thanks.